Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. We're going to be looking at the most famous passage in the Bible, I think. I didn't even look that up on Wikipedia, but I feel pretty, pretty confident that this is, of all the passages in the world, this might be the most famous of all of them, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just so amazed by God's timing. Uh, if, if you know me, I, I plan out the text that we're going to be in um, quite a bit in advance. And unless something comes up, a world event or just a situation in our community, we'll take a pause, of course, and, and uh, go to a different text for that week. But generally speaking, on a normal Sunday, I know months out what I'll be preaching on on a given Sunday. I just love God's timing that we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer this morning. Later this afternoon, we're going to be having a prayer service, which will then flow into 24 hours of prayer. I did not plan that. I, I did not plan that. And I just think that's really amazing, uh, God's timing, as we just look at this model prayer flowing into what tonight and all day tomorrow will be for our church, trusting God has plans for 24 hours of prayer and our prayer service tonight. So let me read the text in its entirety before we walk through it this morning. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Many of you can recite it. Grew up reciting it. This is what the Word of God says. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, This is Jesus talking to his disciples now. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for his blessing on our time and his word today. Lord Jesus, it's a glorious, glorious text. Wonderful text, rich content and substance. So Lord, I just pray that you would guide us as we look at each clause this morning to just lift our eyes to heaven, to set our gaze on our Savior, to align our hearts with your heart, to glorify you with our minds and our hearts. Pray for our time now, Lord. Would you use it to encourage, strengthen all the above, your saints, as well as draw those that don't know you this morning to you, to fall on their knees before you, pleading that your work at Calvary would be applied to their lives, that they might have eternity with you, their God and their creator. Pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We could break down this passage 
down to every clause and phrase, in fact, every word and syllable, and still never do it justice. Countless volumes have been written about this one passage of Scripture. More pages than any of us could read in a lifetime have been written about this prayer. And we have approximately 35 minutes to dig into it. It just seems unfair. So I won't be able to dig out and mine all of the goodness that is in this passage. We won't be able to chew off all the meat off the bone, if you will. There's just too much there. Instead, I'm going to have to really be the one holding myself back from sharing too many details about what we can glean from this passage and really, with our time, look at the highlights, the big picture, the main emphasis that I think Jesus had. It's kind of like if I were to say, you are able to come and tell everybody about your five-month expedition up the side to the summit of Mount Everest. Come tell us about those five incredible months and all the memories you have, but you have 20 seconds. That's what, that's what it feels like here. Like, how, where do I even begin? And yet we will try. First, I want us to just see in this prayer, just verse 9 to start, who we're talking to. And this is really important. When we pray, who do we talk to? Because who we talk to, as we'll see in a minute, will drive and influence what we pray. Who we talk to impacts what we say to them. So who do we talk to when we pray? Well, he is Father. He is Father. And knowing that he is Father and we are his children comes with great privilege. I was on a uh, soccer team growing up. And I remember the whole team was so frustrated because the coach's son was by far objectively speaking, without question, the worst player on the team. And yet he was always a starter. He always started. I loved that my dad coached our team all the time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. It wasn't me, I swear. Uh, but I was amongst the team that was so frustrated that that kid was always starting. He was definitely the worst on the team. And yet there comes privileges with being the son. And so it is with being the child of almighty God. Unmatched privileges. You have his particular love. Not just his general love for all of creation, you have his particular love as his child. You have his unconditional love. We've been telling Judah lately, just reassuring him. Actually, he finishes the sentence now for us. All we have to say is, there's nothing you can do. And then he finishes it with, that will ever make you stop loving me. And that is so true with our Heavenly Father. There is nothing that we can do that would ever make him stop loving us. It's unconditional. Unconditional love. In fact, because he is our father and we are his children, we get to live with him 
in his house. Incredible thing, I can't even wrap my mind around what that'll be like to live in the house of God. And yet it's a privilege that all of his children will one day enjoy. We can access him at any hour of the night. He is not this ivory tower boss, this lofty CEO that you just work for but would never get the chance to meet, shake hands with, and interact with. He's not that kind of CEO. He's a father, intimately relational with his children, stepping down and getting on one knee to talk to his children. His father. And not only just anyone's father. He's not everyone's father. In fact, he is our father. He's our father. He's my father. This is a special or specific, you could say a specific, an exclusive group of people that can say, that's my father. He is the father of Christians. Christian, he's your father. Again, Judah, we were driving in the car the other week, last week, and it was just so perfect because I knew I was going to be preaching this text, and I was working through this phrase, our father, and what I was going to say, and it was just so perfect. We're driving, and he says, it wasn't even a question, it was a statement. Your, your name is Isaac. I said, yeah. And he said, your fake name is Daddy which I think he meant title, like what I call you, but it's not really your name, and I know it's, but I call you it anyway. He said, but your fake name's Daddy. And I was like, yeah, that, yeah, we'll go with that. And he said, are you everyone's Daddy? Are you Lexi's Daddy? And I said, no, I'm just, you're and Elias's Daddy. And he said, yeah. And that was it. That was our conversation. We just kept driving in silence. I was like, that's perfect. That's right. I'm not everybody's Daddy. Not every kid comes up and runs up and hugs me and says, Daddy, Judah and Elias do that. I'm their daddy. God is not everyone's heavenly father. In fact, John 8.42 says that. We won't have time to flip there now, but John 8.42 says that he is not everyone's father. There's There's this tier, if you will, just kind of imagining it. There's all of creation, and God is the creator of all things. And then amongst all of creation, there are his image bearers. Mankind, all human beings that have God's image stamped on them. All of creation doesn't have that. They're his image bearers. And amongst the image bearers, there are the children of promise. And not all image bearers are the children of promise. They don't walk in faith. You see, naturally, we are all image bearers. But we are born as children of this world. Jesus says, children of this world. See, our natural father, that is the one who we take our likeness from, our, our, our characteristics take after Satan. John 8.42 says that this is the father of those who don't love Jesus. That's our reality by nature without Christ, following the actions and likeness of the father of this world, the devil, 
We are only children of God by adoption. Ephesians 1.5. We are adopted to have a new father who now we start taking his likeness from. I just think this is really important to make this distinction now because, especially in this society, society you and I live in, where Christian, that name badge can be slapped on by anyone with no expectations on their lives, no strings attached, no demands on how to live. Everyone can slap on that name badge, even if it's not actually who they are, Christian. It's important to know, not everybody can call God Father. Christians call God Father. Those that have their faith in Jesus, who love Jesus. God is only known as Father to those who Jesus is also known as Lord to. If Jesus isn't as known as Lord, God is not known as Father. God is only known as Father to those who call Jesus Lord. See, being a child of God is a privilege for the redeemed. It's a gift for the elect. It's an honor given to Christians. Not entitled to anybody, not owed to anybody, but it's a title given by grace to all who would love Jesus and put their faith in him. A title that could be given to you today if it's not your title now. As you would place your faith in Jesus and say, you are Lord. And that very instant, you could also call him Father. And receive all the privileges that come with glorious thing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. He is Father, but not only Father, He is our Father. And not only our Father, but where is our Father? He is in heaven. Our Father in heaven. This speaks to the unmatched majesty of who we're speaking to. He's not in the White House. He's not in Buckingham Palace. He's not on the red carpet at the Grammys. He's much greater than that. He is where none other is worthy to go. He's in heaven. And so just knowing who we speak to, our Father in heaven, it affects two things. Who we speak to affects how we speak to him, how we speak to him, and what we say to him. I want to tackle those very quickly. Firstly, how do we speak to this one who we know is our father in heaven? Well, we have to remember both. There's a balance to be made that he is both father. We speak to him in such a way because he is father, but we also speak to him in such a way because he is in heaven. He is both father and in heaven. He is both gracious savior and God of the cosmos. He is both best friend and Lord over all of heaven's hosts and angelic beings. And we balance these as we pray to him. You see, your intimate relationship with God, your intimate prayers to the Father, please get this, should not be flippant or irreverent He's still in heaven. 
He still reigns on heaven's throne. And the other side of that coin, as you approach this heavenly, glorious, and majestic throne, you shouldn't be uncomfortable or overwhelmed. It shouldn't be daunting. He is your Father. We balance these things. This is influential on how we pray to God, but not only how we pray to Him, but what we pray about is influenced by the fact He is Father in heaven. So what do we pray? Well, since God reigns in heaven, since God reigns in heaven, we should pray really big prayers. Do you pray big prayers? Do you? I think sometimes you can assess your faith level by the prayers you pray. Remember that you're talking to the one who sits in heaven when you pray. And so, why not pray that our building project would need zero loan money? If it does, that's fine. But why not pray big, heavenward prayers? Pray that all of America would be Christianized. Not only obey this, go and make disciples of every nation, but actually believe it can be done. Because he's on the throne in heaven. Pray that cancer would leave. Maybe you've given up on that prayer. Maybe that prayer seems so impossible. Remember who you pray to when you pray, God, rid this body of cancer in faith. Pray. Pray for healing. Pray for a miracle. Pray for favor. Pray that the womb would be open if it's not right now. Pray because he is in heaven. But not only pray big prayers because he's in heaven, but pray personal prayers because he is father. Be transparent to your father and and pray that you and your spouse would draw closer to one another. And it's been years since you've been really close. Open up to God in that prayer. Say, God, reignite romance with me and my spouse. Please. Ask Him as Father to help your self-image, self-talk, the way you talk about yourself, the way you see yourself. Talk to Him about those things. He is your Father. Who we speak to impacts how we speak and what we speak about. And Jesus spends the rest of this prayer telling us what to pray about, knowing we're talking to Father in heaven. What do we pray about specifically when we're talking to the one who controls all things from heaven and who has our best interests in mind as Father? What do you pray to such a being? What do you pray? Well, we start with our focus on Him. It's like running into the room to ask your dad, God, help, Dad, help me, help me with this. And you're running into the room to ask for it, and then you just stop and you see, you say, Dad, you're really big. <laughs> You see, you, you run in to ask him for help for you, but before you say anything about you, you just want to say something about him. 
Dad, you're strong. Jesus starts his, his prayer, model prayer for us, and what we pray about with three things we pray concerning God, and then three things we pray concerning us. Three about God, and then three about us. We start with our focus on Him. Firstly, we pray for His praise. Not there. He pray, we, we pray for His praise and His glory to be multiplied. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallow be your name. Hallow be your name. We pray for His praise, His name to be glorified and magnified and exalted. Think about that. Hallowed is an old English word, isn't it? It's a word we don't always think about. But it's, it's the concept of being revered, being looked up and seen as amazing. And we say, God, would your name be like that? We already know He is like that, right? God is glorious. He's perfect in every way. He's perfectly kind, perfectly powerful. God knows all things. He is loving. He is forgiving to even the greatest trespasser. He is glorious. And yet, His reputation isn't always, right? Do you know somebody that's not crazy about God? That if you were talking to them, they probably wouldn't describe God as kind, loving, gentle, gracious. But rather, they would attribute the name of God with words such as horrible, hateful, sexist, racist, prejudiced. Or they would just say, he's non-existent. He's empty. He's not real. And so this prayer is to pray that his reputation, that his name, what he's known for amongst men would align with who he actually is. We already know he's these great things. We're just praying that his reputation amongst all men would line up with that. God, would they see you as you are? You see, and think about this. We shouldn't be just content that they believe he exists. That other people, that your children, your grown children, your sons and daughters, your grandchildren, your friends, your co-workers, that they just believe that God exists? It's not enough. We pray that they would see him as he is, and he doesn't merely exist. He is glorious and worthy of praise. I'm not content with people only seeing God that, yeah, I'm sure he exists somewhere, but I don't have to think about him throughout the day. That's how people see the planet Mars. Like, yeah, it's probably up there. But I got to admit, I can't remember the last time I thought about it. It's like ligers. Like, do they exist? I think. I'm not sure. They do. I looked it up. Ligers exist. I'm not content with people seeing God that way. Because he doesn't merely exist. 
I long for people to be as enamored and mesmerized by God as I am. God, may they see you as I do. May they hollow your name. Not only do we pray for his praise and his glory to be multiplied, but we pray for his kingdom to grow. Your kingdom come. This flows from the first prayer, doesn't it? If we want him to be praised by all people, that all people would hollow his name, then it's natural to pray that his kingdom would be expansive and have total dominion. God, may they all hollow your name and may you be over all of them. They're, they're, they're connected, aren't they? But it's kind of crazy to think about what this really, this prayer entails. Your kingdom come. We sing that. We just sing it. And you might pray it. God, may your kingdom come. But think about what that means, what that entails. This is an end times prayer, isn't it? This is a prayer for the end of time. To pray that every knee shall bow to King Jesus, whether forced down or voluntarily brought down. This is a prayer that is really a call for all lesser kingdoms to bow their knee. God, may your kingdom come with no competition. Right? So including America, that America will submit or stand with all other kings and rulers who reject him in judgment. Right? This is a prayer, God, your kingdom reign and invade. This is a a prayer for the immediate end of all opposing powers in society. Right? This is a prayer, if God's kingdom were to be over all and all people submitting to the rule of God, this is then to pray against all other things that oppose God. This is a prayer for the immediate end of the LGBT media and that it would topple over. This is a prayer that liberalism would crumble. This is a prayer that the pro-choice platform would cease to receive any support. This is a prayer for the globalization of Christianity. Talk about a God-sized prayer to one who's in heaven, right? And what's amazing is this is not only a prayer but a promise. His kingdom will come. God's expansive reign is a promise. We only pray that it would be expedited. Jesus, come. So we pray for his praise and glory to be multiplied, that all of creation would hollow his name. We pray that all kingdoms would be under his rule and reign. We pray for his plan to be accomplished. That's the next part of verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the prayer before this one was a prayer for other people to submit to God, this is a prayer that I would submit to God. You see what I'm saying? Your kingdom come is a prayer that everyone would submit to God. 
This is a prayer saying, God, I submit to you too. Your will be done. Not mine. Jesus prayed that kind of prayer as he was approaching his gruesome death in Luke 22. He says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drop, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. In agony, saying, your will, God, not my will. You see, this is a prayer of self-submission. Your will, God. Your will. To pray, your will be done, is to yield to God and to trust his plan over your plan. With your children's well-being. God, your will, your will be done. Going to a funeral for a child this week, saying, God, I don't understand, but your will, not my will. Praying your will with your diagnosis that you may have just received. God, your will, not my will. With your finances, and they're stressful, don't know how ends are going to meet. God, your will. With employment issues, being rocky, not knowing what you're going to do with employment. God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but your will be done. This is a prayer of self-submission. It's a hard prayer to pray if you know what you're praying. But these are the three things that we can pray to God who is in heaven and our Father, that all people would recognize Him as glorious, that His kingdom and rule would be expansive, and that His will would be done. Even if it's hard for us to make sense of it. We run into the room, we talk to our Father, and we first look to Him. And we pray about him. But then eventually, we get to why we ran into the room and we talk to him about what is going on in our lives. After giving God priority, Jesus encourages us to pray for ourselves. You can go to God about yourself. It's not selfish. It's what a child does running to his father. Three requests about us. Firstly, we pray for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray for provision. You know, this prayer really challenges me just thinking about what this is saying and what it's not saying. This forces me and this is forces you to be content and satisfied even if all I have is Jesus. You see, this is a prayer of satisfaction, of, 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 of base-level contentment. It's not, God, give me abundance. That's what we like to pray, right? We like to pray, God, just lay it on me. 
That's not this prayer. This is a prayer of contentment and satisfaction. God, give me today's daily bread. It's what I need. This is to say, I can survive without a lot today, even if all I have is you. That's content. It's really a lot like Proverbs 30. Give me neither riches nor poverty that I might sin against you. Just give me enough for today. Verses 7 through 9. Say, all I need is you, Jesus. And I don't know if that's something that you're comfortable saying today. You pray this prayer and what it means. God, give me today. How do you fill in that blank? Are you able to say, my daily bread? What will sustain me? What will keep me alive? What will keep me breathing the next 24 hours? Give me that. That'll be good. Let me tell you. Praying for such a thing is really just to be praying, God, give me yourself. I need you. I need your presence. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need you. So we pray for provision. We also pray for reconciliation. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Pray for reconciliation. This is interesting. Because remember, this is a Christian's prayer, isn't it? This is somebody who can also say, my father, our father. This is somebody who has a relationship with God through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. This is somebody who has their faith in Jesus, who calls God father. And they're saying, forgive me. Naturally, there's a question, isn't there? Christians already have their sins forgiven. I am forgiven. Why ask for what I already have? It's a good question, isn't it? Why ask for this? He's done it on Calvary. I don't think we should be too quick to think about forgiveness so simply. See, think about your relationship with your spouse if you're married, your best friend, your child. Wronging somebody else can wound that relationship without destroying it, right? Is that true? When you do something, when you hurt them, when you offend them, when you wrong them, ties aren't lopped off and all relationship is completely crumbled. Not always, but it's wounded. Maybe trust needs to be rebuilt. Some conversations need to be had. Think about this with raising children. Right? A child disobeys. It saddens the parent. It it probably frustrates the parent. And so the child needs to be disciplined. But then after discipline, hugged, loved on, but not in one second of that interaction is their place in the family ever questioned. You might threaten it, but it's not real, right? It's not a a real threat. 
Their place in the family is rooted and anchored, and it's not going anywhere. Though there's some working through that needs to happen because of what they did. And so it is with our relationship with God. We are secure in Christ. We have a blessed assurance because of his finished work on Calvary. There's nothing I can do to make God stop loving me. I'm secure in Christ today, forgiven from all my sins, and still, it's good for us to have confession, to take a time and say our sins, to make it right. And so we pray for forgiveness, just as we forgive others. Lastly, we pray for protection. We pray for provision, for reconciliation, and lastly, for protection. Lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from evil. I love this one. Because this is to recognize that God is greater than my troubles. He's stronger than what I'm going through. He can save me from them. I shared a story in uh, the evening service some weeks back. It's just so applicable to this. I, I have to share it again. But uh, Judah, the last few months, has, has been having nightmares. And uh, I don't know the difference, nightmare, night terror. I don't know what he's been having. But he's been just waking up screaming. And, um, and I was sleeping in bed. Just in the middle of the night, I just hear screaming, like, genuinely horrified screaming and so naturally I jump out of bed I go running and I don't even make it outside of my bedroom door before I just have my legs wrapped up by this little kid and he just squeezes onto me and I look down and I'm like hey buddy and he just lifts his arm up he says hold me hold me hold me and so I pick him up and I'm like hey you're fine you're okay calm down breathe you're fine dad's got you right I go and lay him down in his bed, and I lay down in his bed with him until he falls asleep. The sense of security that dad's got me. You know, your heavenly father loves to hold you. And if you've ever had that experience like I had, you, you know what I'm talking about when I say, like, it, it's, it's horrible for him because he's so scared, but it just warms your heart so much that he trusts you that way, right? It's like, for him, he's horrified, but for me, I just feel so much affection in that moment. I think God's heart swells when we come running to him saying, God, Father, deliver me from this. Protect me from this. And so, just speaking as your pastor, we're, we're wrapping up here, but Speaking as your pastor who knows the pains that many of this in this room have. I know because you've shared them with me. You've graciously brought me into those conversations. I know what many of you are going through. I hurt alongside you. So just that reality just kind of pressed upon me as I, as I prepared this part of the sermon. It, and I can't promise you that God will keep you from evil. He doesn't make that promise. John 17, 15, he makes it clear that he doesn't pray that he would just take us out of this world. But you know what he does promise? He promises 
that he's got you through it. This is an assurance to all Christians that he's got you. He's not letting you go. And whatever that enemy is that you're scared of, it's not going to get you because he's got you. And in the end, you're with him. He'll never drop you. He'll never let the enemy take you. He will deliver you eventually from all trials. And he'll take all of us, his children, away from every pain and every threat. So, if you, if you know about God, but you don't know him as father today, I just say that's exactly why Jesus died, was for you to know God as father. For you to be made right with God, for you to have nothing separating you from walking up to God and calling him father. That's why Jesus died on the cross for your sins that you could be taken into the family. And so I want nothing more today than for you to have the same kind of relationship with God that I do. It just reminds me of my little sister when we were fostering her for years and uh, just having a a conversation with her as a family. We all sat her down in the living room and said, uh, at the time, her name was Athena. Said, you want to be in this family? Like, for good? Or just, yeah. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. And just the sweet joy of adoption. There's no sweeter adoption than one when somebody can, for the first time, call God Father. I want that for you. If you do call God Father today, you have a glorious privilege to come to him in prayer. So I encourage you, utilize that. Utilize that. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.